Good morning, church. For those who have been uh, reading the Word of God daily, we started the year with this daily reading plan, we are uh, getting to the point, I hope, where we're developing some habits. That is, it uh, generally takes 21 to 28 to 30 days to develop a habit. So if you're doing it regularly, I think that's important as habits lead to a lifetime of uh, communion with God through his word. That's the goal. And uh, if you haven't started or if you started and then lost your way, hey, join back and we'll get going again. And while this is the last Sunday in our Dwell in the Word series, if uh, you are establishing new habits in the new year or uh, you're just getting started, I hope that you will see it as habit-forming. Now, I uh, read about a man who uh, tells a story about his uncle who, when he retired, set out to read the entire Bible in a single month. Now, it takes, or it took him, about 76 hours to read the Bible straight through. So that's about two and a half hours a day for... uh, Uh, let's see, 30 days for a month. He went on to do this every day for 12 years. That's a lot of Bible reading, a lot of time reading the Word. And one could say, and I think we might cheer him on, what a a, uh, way to spend the bulk of his retirement. Now, he read through the Bible cover to cover 144 times during that period. That's what I'd call a Bible-reading marathon runner. And uh, not many people have been immersed in the Bible to that degree. I know I certainly haven't. But I want to tell you what the nephew commented about his uncle. He said, My uncle died the meanest, bitterest son of a gun you could ever wish to meet. Now, there are many angles that we could use to interpret what went wrong with this man's Bible reading. And I'm reminded of that uh, very forceful words of Jesus and his call out uh, to the religious leaders in John chapter 5. And I've shared this section of scripture before because it, it made such an impression on me when I first uncovered it in 5, uh, 39 and 40. You study the scriptures diligently, but because you think that in them you have eternal life. These are the very scriptures that testify about me, yet you refuse to come to me to have life. In other words, you can know the scriptures and you can read through the Bible 144 times and not know the Lord. The scripture is not the end. It is, however, a means to find God, to find Jesus Christ, to find the abundant life, the eternal life in our Savior. And this idea is advanced all the way through uh, John's Gospel, particularly in brilliant fashion. And I want to suggest just one way this morning that seems uh, particularly instructive and, uh, frankly, motivational 
And I know if you're trying to read the Bible, motivation is good. So I hope uh, to offer that today. Rather than asking, how often are you reading the Word of God? I suspect some of us have missed some days in the last few weeks. Or are you spending time in the Word? Which is a good question. Or what is your quiet time habits? That's a good question. I want to go a layer deeper into our inner being, to our will, to our soul, to the source of our ambitions and our desires. And I want to ask you this question. What is it that you really want? And I think I know the answer to that question. I think ultimately... You want to be happy. You want to be fulfilled. You want to be satisfied. You want to be content. Biblically, we know it's called joy. This is what you're after in your heart of hearts. And whether you like the word joy or not, or use that in your day-to-day talk, this is what you most want. Now, We have our ways of going after this happiness or joy, uh, don't we? I mean, uh, there are good things that have been given by the Creator, and so maybe for some of us it's food or work or money or adventure or relationships, sex, travel. Uh, We could go on and on with a number of things that we find where we find a source of joy. But what we want at our most basic level is happiness, inner joy and satisfaction. This is the way we're made. Now, in John 15, John's Gospel, Jesus and the disciples are in the upper room. He has washed the disciples' feet. He was giving some intense instruction on his and their relationship to the Father. He was talking about the importance of obedience and loving God the role of the Holy Spirit after he would leave, and staying faithful to God after he is gone. Here he is in the shadow of his death. Soon he would be confronting the opposition and the accusers very directly. He would be hearing the jeering and the mocking and the ridicule of those who misunderstood, at the least, or even worse, just hated him. And then he would be nailed to a cross. Now this is all in his heart and his mind as he speaks to the disciples. And in the middle of that dark and ominous time, just hours from his crucifixion, Jesus says something that relates to our dwell series. And I believe if we can catch it, it will change our life and it will change our spiritual habits forever. If you'll permit the Holy Spirit to work on you, I want to cherry-pick one verse from John 15 and verse 11. In that context of the upper room, Jesus speaking to his disciples shortly before his death, he says this, These things, I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy 
may be made full. That's the translation from the New American Standard. Three things that I notice about this verse. First of all, it is Christ's joy. He says, my joy, uh, that my joy may be in you. You see, God in his very essence, independent of his circumstances and independent of his created world, anything in the outside world, God in his essence is joyful. His being, the Trinity, is full of joy. Jesus is full of God. Jesus, John 1, 1. Jesus is God. The Word incarnate, John 1, 14. He and the Father are one. And so he is full of joy. To be filled with God is to be filled with joy. To be a Christian is to be full of Christ. To be full of Christ is to be full of joy. And this is why the Apostle Paul challenges us in Philippians 4 and those famous words that we know so well to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say it, rejoice. Not in ourselves, not in our stuff, not in our circumstances, but in the Lord. All right, it's his joy. Number two, it is full and complete joy. Jesus expressed his desire by saying, so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be made full. The Amplified Version says it this way, full and complete. Some translations say, based on the imagery of this, this word full, full and complete and overflowing. Now, I don't know about you, but so often for me, happiness is fleeting. The feeling of the joy is there, and then it's gone. So there is a huge difference between joy as in a moment of happiness or good times and what this text is describing as the fullness of joy. You see, as I was mentioning earlier, there are a thousand things in life that bring some kind of joy or partial joy for a time. God made a good world for us to enjoy. However, there is only one source of complete and overflowing joy. This is what Jesus is saying. So when he says, These things I have spoken to you, so that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. It leads us to our third point. It is joy... In you, in me. The disciples then, and now we are the recipients of this joy as his followers. His joy is in us even when life knocks you down, when you find yourself in trouble or pain or temptation. The joy of Christ is in us. And it enables us to be undaunted by what is going on outside of us. Like God himself, as I described. The joy is contained within him, in his being, and in our being. And again, think of the trauma that the disciples were about to undergo. And yet Jesus believed 
that his joy could be in them to the full. Jesus experienced this uh, joy on the way to the cross. We might remember that from the, the, from the book of Hebrews. So, as our devotional uh, this, uh, this past Tuesday in the, in the Dwell series, it pointed something out, that uh, the joy of Christ in you or in us is unmoved by our situations and our circumstances. In fact, more than that, the Bible again and again, and I, maybe this is why Jesus could say this with such confidence to his disciples shortly before the cross, is because the Bible pulls this reversal on us again and again. And it's a whole separate message and more than I want to develop today, but there is this unexpected way in which temptation or trial or suffering or trouble is... Uh, coming from uh, the Holy Spirit, and we can see this in the early church, it, it leads us into recognizing that actually it is good for us, that trials promote joy. Now that doesn't make a lot of intuitive sense to us, but this is the story in Romans chapter 5, in Acts chapter 5, in James chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 4, that our trials and troubles and suffering promote joy. Now, all of this now is critical preparation for my main point, which is this. Let me read this passage one more time so we don't miss where we're coming from. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Here's what Jesus says. These things I have spoken to you. He has just spent a chapter and a half speaking words, ideas, truths, spiritual truths. Through the gift of words, he is readying and he is preparing his followers. Here's the point. We read God's word so that Jesus may speak to us, have relationship with us, fill us with what? With his joy. Let's put it all together. And to grasp this, I believe it will shift your life for the good if you begin to see our time together when we come together in the assembly and we read the Word of God, when we're singing and we hear the Word of God, when we're in our daily devotional and we're reading or we're listening to the Word of God, that here is the point. We dwell in the Word so that Jesus may fill you completely with joy. Dwell in the Word so that Jesus may fill you completely with joy. You see, the logic again is this. As God is full of joy, so His Son Jesus is full of joy. Jesus wants to share His joy with you, and He shares His joy through words. If you partake of His words, you will know His joy. And if this is true, nothing can rob you 
of your joy. You have a lot more choice than you realize. And if you're unhappy, it is because you are listening to other voices. Sometimes many words or many other voices that produce unhappiness in you. I need a new car. I wish I had a different job. I don't know about this church. I'm not sure about God. I don't trust that person. I need more money. I wish my husband or wife would do this or that. Jesus says, these things I have spoken so that my joy. The remedy is the Word of God as the source of your joy. Jesus could not be clearer. I couldn't be more emphatic. Every word of Christ, every word in the Scripture is meant for your eternal joy and happiness. And that starts right now. You want to be happy? I believe you do. And uh, unless Jesus is lying to us, then his message is that this word brings you more joy than anything else. Now, a few years ago, uh, Becky had been sick for a few days, and she was at the tail end of a flu and a stomach virus. And, but I could tell she, she just wasn't right, or she said she wasn't. She just didn't feel well. She was jittery. She was shaky. She wasn't, she wasn't thinking real clearly. And we didn't know what was up. It was a little spooky, and I took her to the hospital and a bit of a scary drive to, to get to the emergency room. And in short order, they hooked her up, hooked up an IV. And it was not long before they said, she is going to be fine. She was really dehydrated. Church, what I'm trying to say this morning is that the Lord's words are hydration, are nutrients to our spirit. The Word of God is like an IV drip that dispenses, among other things, joy. And if we can see the Word this way, will find joy in the Bible. We will begin to see even Jesus' procession to death on the cross as he did, as the joy set before him. We will take in joy in his warnings. We will find joy in his wisdom. We will see joy in his rebuke. And joy in his promises. If you're like me, there may still be times when you are that uncle. The meanest, bitterest son of a gun you could ever wish to meet. But I'm confident that if you dwell in the Word, Jesus will fill you with joy.
have a blessed week.